This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. Paul Violis is a CBS News security consultant, an accomplished author, and a renowned global security and law enforcement expert. With over 35 years of experience, he's dedicated his life to finding solutions for the problems that keep you up at night. This is Security Matters with Paul Violis. Welcome to Security Matters, a CBS News Radio production. I'm Paul Violas, and today's episode is going to bring you behind the ISIS curtain as we speak with a former ISIS member. That's right, a former ISIS member, and probably, no, more importantly, a recruiter, someone, a part of the ISIS ranks that spent time looking for individuals right here in the United States communities to join the ISIS ranks. We're going to have this gentleman here momentarily. But before that, some benchmarking information to bring us all on the same page with respect to Islamic radicalism, ISIS, and how that relates to us on American soil. You know, one of the things that I like to do, and you'll see this as we continue to grow our show, is that I'm very much into benchmarking information. I like empirical data, qualitative and quantitative information that eliminates the opinion and gives you solid fact. One of those things, what I looked at, 44, remember the number 44, those are the number of youths, some as young as 12 years old, that have attempted to commit acts of terror in the West and in the United States in the name of ISIS since the end of 2014. 50% of these were radicalized by online recruiters. An additional 17% of these children had no formal contact with the Islamic State, which indicates that they were likely radicalized by viewing ISIS's online propaganda. Is this happening on American soil? It most certainly is. And with what frequency? We're going to find out shortly. But let's just look at this. You know, my dad used to say, God rest his soul, my dad used to say, if you want to know about the future, study history. History is a cause, event, and result cycle. Well, let's look at history. From San Bernardino to the Pulse shooting in Orlando and everything in between and subsequent to we saw blatant, overt examples of Islamic radicalists that were born and bred here in the United States that grew into becoming Islamic radicalists right in front of our eyes, living in our own community, responsible for mass shootings. And all the signs that existed prior to them perpetrating these horrendous, these heinous acts, they were done right in front of us. As we go through this episode today, you're not only going to hear from one of the foremost experts in the world on this subject, but we're going to break down the signs of radicalization, the 10 things that you can look for, how you can identify this in your own community, how to report it, and most importantly, how to prevent it. You'll also be able to go to cbsaudio.com, or I think it's cbsaudio slash podcast.com and be able to go to our website at Security Matters to pick up this library, this wealth of information, so that if there is something that piques your interest that we hear today, and I assure you there will be, 
that you'll be able to do something about it. Part of the mantra of Security Matters. One of the things that I really want to lay out here, very important before I introduce our guest, is that this is not in any way, shape, or form directed at the Muslim population. All too often, when people use the, the, the term ISIS or Islamic radicalists, they immediately apply it to Muslims. That could not be more inaccurate, it could not be more unfair, and it could not be more false. It's simply not true. It's almost like saying that all Germans were Nazis. Not the case. This is a very small group of individuals, and not all Muslim, bear in mind. Not all Muslim. So many coming from the Christian faith or the Jewish faith and others that are radicalized. Our job here today is to impart information that will bring to you that light that comes on that says, wait a second, this doesn't look right. One example I will give you that sticks out in my mind before I introduce our guest. When I was covering the Pulse shooting in Orlando, the thing that jumped off the page is that shooter was not only a member of his community in Miami, Florida, but he was also a licensed security officer in this, by the state of Florida, licensed to bear arms and to exercise deadly physical force. The signs retroactively, as police and investigators scoured through information, the signs were glaring. They were frightening of all the things that he did and said, the way he changed his appearance, all the things we should have known. By the end of today's episode, I assure you, that information will be brought front and center. The other part about Islam, I'm sorry, about ISIS that we need to remember is that their business model is imperative. From an educational standpoint, Al-Qaeda, think back November 1993, Al-Qaeda did their research and they struck the World Trade Center. Well, we got a little wake-up call, but we fell right back to sleep. On September 11, 2001, they struck again. Shortly after that, our response, our meaning the United States response, forced Al-Qaeda from a centralized management structure, leader, layers of command, hierarchy of command, to a decentralized management structure, which meant that they had multiple, numerous, copious amounts of small cells all over. The birth of ISIS started actually around 2004, and that has grown today to be a global asset for terrorism. No one better, in my opinion, no one better could I have on this show, could we have together right now, than a, a colleague of mine I'm proud to be associated with. His name is Mubin Sheikh. Let me tell you a little bit about Mubin. He's a former security intelligence and counterterrorism operative and now an expert with experience in radicalization, de-radicalization, countering violent extremism, and national security and counterterrorism. Based on his history and former involvement with ISIS, he has testified as an expert for the United Nations Security Council, the United States Senate Committee on Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs, the National Counterterrorism Center, and Special Operations Command Central. His story, fascinating and frightening, actually began when he was 14 years old. It is my pleasure to introduce Mubin Sheikh. Mubin, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, thank you for having me. Mubin, take us back to age 14. You joined the Royal Canadian Army Cadets. You held the rank of Cadet Warrant Officer, clearly on the path 
or let's just say on a path opposite of which he took. And then something happened, an acute identity crisis from what I understand. Tell us what le- what happened to you at that point. Yeah, I'm, I'm basically uh, born and raised in Toronto, Canada. Uh, I went to public school by daytime, Koran school by evening time, and this is what would lay that foundation for the identity crisis that I would end up having. It was in high school that, that I had a house party, uh, and I basically got caught. My My uncle walked in on the party, and it forced me to kind of reconsider what I was doing in my life and I think it was really the shame and the guilt that pushed me to uh, decide that I needed to get religious. And so this is a, a long time ago, 1995. Uh, I would end up going to India and Pakistan, and uh, and it was it wasn't ISIS. It was actually uh, Al Qaeda and the Taliban uh, that I got linked up with um, when I was only 18 years old. Okay. So that's how it began. Now. You rose through those ranks to the point of not just as a member, but a recruiter, which meant that not only was your intellect up, up, up front and center with this particular group, but you were seen as a recruiter, someone that could bring more individuals to the cause. As a recruiter, and this is, and bear in mind too, Mubin, as a recruiter, there have so many people listening to this right now that really need to understand the following questions. They need answers. What is the typical demographic of the person that they would go after? Yeah, um, so I, I did become a recruiter, and um, we did bring a number of people to to our side. Uh, the things that we would deliberately look for, um, number one, number one, is a kid who has been disconnected from his family. Because what we were going to do is we were going to become the family. We were going to become his parents, we were going to become his siblings, and we were definitely his friends. And so that's the number one thing that we look for. It must be disconnected, detached, in some kind of tension or trauma with the family unit. Once that is established, then it becomes extremely easy to bring this individual over. That's the first point that we would look at. And quickly, the second point is we would see how knowledgeable is this person actually about the religion? Contrary to popular belief, and I really like your caveats at the beginning about separating the difference between the religion and the zealots, uh, we would look for people who did not know the religion. Because if somebody knows their stuff, they would argue back against us, and sure. we would realize very quickly this person's not going to be on our side. We needed them a blank slate so that we could fill the slate for them. Mubin, how would you now, next question, logical path in this conversation, how would you then target these individuals? Through the internet, social media? Uh, how? How would you go, how would you find them? Sure. So basically there's one period, so this is my period of activity and involvement, and it was before social media. Um, but of course in, my, in the course of my, uh, my work and my expertise, I of course was all over the ISIS networks uh, for a number of years and infiltrating their networks as well. Uh, in 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 the old days, if I can call it that, uh, it was face-to-face communications. Uh, that was uh, that was the, the way to go about doing it. There were some CDs uh, like jihadi videos which were being handed out, which you could watch on a computer, and that would basically serve the function of that uh, recruiting piece, right, of that emotional 
uh, recruiting piece that would t- that would that would suck these guys in. Now, what we're dealing with in the social media circles uh, really is this acceleration of of information. So you have a whole large amount of information that is passing very very quickly. So whereas before in the old days it would take some time. Uh, we would need to do a face-to-face and converse with somebody and talk about the nuances of this and that. Nowadays, we're dealing with something very different. Everything is accelerated, so it doesn't need to take, you know, the months and months that it took. Now it will just take weeks. It doesn't even need the in-person face-to-face. You can just do it anonymously online. And so that's the phenomena we're dealing with now. How frequently does this actually happen? And it and now, obviously, you're, as I said before, you're somebody that has that behind-the-curtain viewpoint, but is this once in a while? Is this, is this an everyday matter? How frequently is this communication sent out there? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, ISIS has been doing this communication for, uh, so if you look at the years 2014 to 2017, this stuff was being churned out every day, literally every single day, multiple uh, media blasts a day. Uh, it's gone down, of course, because ISIS has been attacked and has been, you know, they've been hit hard. Um, but with the recent attacks in Sri Lanka, uh, the proof of life video by Al Baghdadi, that is a message to us that they are not gone anywhere. And if anything, we're going to be hearing from them soon. You know, um, I, I have to say that really kind of brings me to the next question as to what is the mantra. But before we do that, we're going to take a quick break. You've been listening to Security Matters. The CBS News Radio production. Stay with me. I'll be right back. One of the more disturbing elements of the story that we've covered was something we did for CBSN on assignment called the Children of ISIS. And we focused specifically on children of the caliphate or the so-called caliphate and the way they were being indoctrinated over the years. We have to remember that there were 10 million people that were under the control of ISIS and they were running the schools. One of the disturbing things we saw were young kids, um, you know, sort of grade school age, and they were being taught how to count using Kalashnikovs and timers on bombs in order to tell a time. And that was in English. It just goes to show you how they were trying to indoctrinate children at a very young age uh, to get used to this idea of violence. And they were being taught uh, ISIS's brand of Islamic extremism. And once they got old enough, they were being taught to fight. Welcome back to Security Matters. I'm Paul Violas, and we are talking with Mubin Sheikh, a, a former member of an Islamic radicalist group that turned recruiter and now turned to assist governments, the United States and Canada, in fighting Islamic radicalism. Uh, Mubin, let me come back to my, we left off by talking about how frequently this happens, and you were telling us that this is something that's a daily effort, that ISIS is utilizing social media to get to disenfranchise kids the people that don't have the right identities, they're disconnected, as you put it, from their families, and now they're targeting them. They don't need face-to-face. They're using social media. They're using the Internet, and we know they're doing it daily. To capture this now and think of, think of the, the true essence of this communication, what is the mantra, Mubin, of Islamic radicals? It's a very simple message. The, the simple message is that The enemy is at war with Islam and Muslims, and you are a part of that war, 
and it is up to you to decide what your role in that war is. So this is the same thing that they were putting out to potential recruits, ISIS recruits in particular. They weren't looking for scholars. They were looking for cannon fodder, okay? And Mm -hmm. they put this message out. There is a war. Well, the ISIS message was we've established the caliphate. We've established this perfect utopian world where you will all live happily ever after. And so people came in. Now, of course, the dream has fallen apart. Uh, There's no more caliphate for all intents and purposes. But the argument, the argument that the non-Muslims are at war with us and we need to be at war with them, this is the most common mantra that every single different type of jihadist group, whether they're ISIS, Al-Qaeda, Taliban, Boko Haram, they all push that same message. And that being? Well, that, that we are at perpetual war, that we are in a state of perpetual war. Um, and, and this is a very important idea. A perpetual war means it goes on forever. So there is no fixed end point, right? You are committed for your life, Right. And even beyond life. And, and this is such an important point why I wanted you to come back to that because so many people, as far as our culture in the United States, say, well, you know, they haven't hit us really big since whenever it was. You know, um, has the risk gone away? Well, culturally speaking, do you think it's a fair statement to say that the American culture is on one clock and Islamic radicalists or on a completely separate one, meaning American culture wants things done now, and Islamic radicalists are on a life clock. Is that fair? And that's a very fair. That's a very fair statement. I think the saying they have for this in uh, in Afghanistan, they use this, is they said, "You might have the watches, but we've got the time." And that and really speaks to. And to all our audience, that really speaks to the why. Why haven't we seen it? Because they have all the time in the world. Um, Mubin, in closing, two-part question. I'd like to know what your message is to parents, to friends, to loved ones, to members in the community. What are the signs that they need to look out for that this may be happening to their children or to people they know? That these individuals that are in their their homes, their workplaces, their schools, uh, their communities, their neighborhoods, might very well be becoming radicalized. What are the things they should look out for? Yeah, if um, if you will allow me to just give a shout out to a group that I've been working with uh, in the U.S. They're Parents for Peace. Uh, Parentsforpeace.org. It's the letter and the number. So P4P.org. Um, they've been doing a lot of good stuff on this, talking to parents, um, in, informing parents or educating, uh, advising even schools uh, to, to look out for specific signs. Uh, they do have a number that parents can call as well. It is a, it's a very, very good service that these people are doing. I work with them closely. Um, look, basically you can, you can see a spectrum of behavior that starts with benign that's very, you can say, insignificant behavior. It starts to escalate to what is called troubling behavior. Mm-hmm. Then it goes into what some might call worrisome behavior. And then finally, you're at alarming behavior. So imagine three steps. One is, it's not so bad. The second step is, hmm, something's going on here. 
And the third step is basically, uh, hold on a second, I think I might need to call the police. Okay, it does get that realistic. So, I mean, basically, uh, to keep it very short, and then again, this is very basic, I do encourage your readers to go and find uh, parentsforpeace.org. Um, but a, a kid who is arguing all the time about their convictions, you know, to family members or to close family friends, or if they, uh, you know, change their 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 clothing, uh, that that's not a big deal, right? If you if the if the girl comes in, let's say one day wearing a hijab because she thinks she wants to be a Muslim because her Muslim friends, chill out, right? Don't jump just yet. Uh, it's it's really when you start getting into the worrisome behavior where the child starts to break off from you, becomes very silent, very closed, starts giving away old items that they may have had. This is very similar to signs of suicide. Um, you know, rejecting rules and regulations of, of institutions and organizations. So saying we don't need to follow the law, you know, these sorts of things. Now you're starting to get into worrisome behavior, cutting off friends, cutting off family becoming obsessed with the end of the world, things like that. And finally, uh, alarming behavior is when, God forbid, that you would find your kid uh, committing or planning a violent or hateful act, or maybe you were checking out their uh, surfing activity because you're one of those smart parents uh, who has you know, a record of all surfing activity. Right. You might not necessarily tell your, parents, your kids, uh, like I do that. I don't tell them that they're being monitored. And I don't say anything that would expose that, but I am monitoring, and I would know if they went to X, Y, Z kind of websites. Uh, so, so looking at that sort of stuff, uh, planning violent acts, being in the company of extreme individuals, these are alarming behaviors. And and first, I would suggest to get in touch with Parents for Peace. Uh, but if it is more serious, where weapons have been found or explosives. Uh, then, then you might as well just call the police, uh, keeping in mind that the police very likely are going to come and arrest your kid. And I know a lot of parents don't like to hear that, but it's a simple, you know what, uh, either or. Do you want your kid arrested and in at least some kind of safe environment, or do you want the police breaking down your door and potentially shooting your kid in your own home? Well, so you that's know what? the reality that parents got to deal with. That is the reality. The reality is that it's happening. It's happening in your own neighborhoods, and it's happening on a daily basis. And uh, w with this type of information, armed, if you will, with this type of information, we have the ability to preemptively mitigate this so it, we do not become and fall victims to, to Islamic radicalism in our own community. So, uh, Mubin Sheikh, as always, I can't thank you enough for taking the time. Incredible insight. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you, and thank your listeners. Absolutely. You're listening to Security Matters on the CBS News Radio Network. Stay with us. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, finish up for today. This is a new generation of very sophisticated jihadi propaganda that's only emerged over the last several months. ISIS is using its cash and media-savvy Western militants to recruit and radicalize. I'm your brother in Islam here in Syria. This is a Western jihadist urging potential ISIS recruits to come join the fight in Syria. Your families would live here in safety just like how it is back home. It's all part of a high-tech propaganda machine ISIS has developed to reach out to militants in Europe, Canada, and the United States. The terror group now has its own multilingual media arm, Al-Hayat, 
which is behind the creation and distribution of glossy magazines and highly produced slick videos. ISIS even uses drones and GoPros to appeal to the Western eye. And this is a Muja tweet, a short promotional video which shows a softer side of jihad. Here, a Belgian hands out ice cream to excited Syrian children. Welcome back to Security Matters. I'm Paul Violas. And I don't know about you, but if that didn't uh, raise your eyebrow for a couple of minutes straight, then I don't know what would, because when we're thinking about this particular individual, Mubin, uh, and the path, the journey that he's taken now, and one of the things that I didn't want to say this, you know, put him on the spot, but obviously in a very dangerous situation himself by turning away from, from first Al-Qaeda, then ISIS, and now serving the uh, Canadian and U.S. governments in counterterrorism. I mean, he's got a, a huge risk to family and friends. I want to sum up today um, by just giving you the top 10 signs that Mubin went through. I want to give these to you. I want to remind you that um, encourage you with not just this episode, but all future episodes, go to cbsaudio.com slash podcasts. There you will find... Um, our splash page, and our site for Security Matters. You can click on that, and you will see the notes from each show, um, which is really so important because it keeps us evergreen. It keeps us maintaining an educational environment, and that is what brings to fruition our intent behind Security Matters because Security Matters do matter, and it matters a lot. Nothing's more important than your own safety. So top 10 things... For someone to, but for you to be looking at top 10 signs someone is being radicalized in your community. Number one, the individual abruptly abandons friends and family. Two, in the increasingly rare occasions where they do see their family, they berate them for their supposedly, let's just say, radical behavior. Now, what I mean by that is they start to move away from their family, but when they're around, when they're around them, they start to openly criticize them for the type, of, the type of faith that they've still been practicing. Uh, number three, they stop participating in activities that they are, are accustomed to, sports, etc. They believe that they have found the true path to religious entitlement, enli enlightenment. And in light of that, if you're not seeing it their way, they become angry with you. They often exhibit growing hatred and intolerance towards others who don't adhere to their beliefs. This includes rejecting fellow Muslims, very important, of different sects that don't follow the radicalist side. They refuse to engage with or debate ideas that counter their own. They turn their back on their life as it was before it was radicalized. Surfing, pornography, and other violent jihadi anti-government websites takes up an increasingly large chunk of their day, oftentimes 12 to 16 hours. And last but not least, they develop obsessive patterns of behavior and they pine for martyrdom and the apocalypse. Believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, as we sum today up, and we heard from a, the most reliable source that anyone could hear from, a former ISIS recruiter, that their recruiting is happening on the internet, social media. They're using this to go after our youth, and they're doing it on a daily basis. If you see these signs, and I, and I completely agree with what Mubin said, if you see these signs, I implore you, I beseech you, Please do something about it. As my parents, I am the parents of, of two great kids and two wonderful grandchildren. 
So I'm not just speaking from somebody who's done this for almost 40 years now. I'm talking from one parent to another. Picking up the phone and calling the police if you think your kid's doing this has got to be one of the most, if not the most difficult thing you can do. But it beats the hell out of the alternative. And the alternative will come. So I implore you to take this into consideration. It could very well make the difference uh, of life and death in your own community. If you see this, you contact your local police, you can contact the local FBI office. Both are prepared and well-trained to respond. With that, we close for today. Please bear in mind, we want to know the subjects that you're interested in. We want to know the things that keep you up at night. We will, in fact, do shows on them. You can hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all at Paul Violas. Uh, By all means, you need to go to um, cbsaudio.com. Check out our splash page. Check out all the great podcasts, like 60 Minutes, 48 Hours, uh, Intelligence Matters with my colleague Mike Morell and many others that are fantastic. Again, that's cbsaudio.com slash podcasts. For everybody here at Security Matters, hope you have a good, safe week. Be safe, be well. God bless. Thanks for listening to Security Matters with Paul Violas. The podcast is produced by Seth Neiman and CBS News Radio. For more podcasts from CBS News, visit cbsaudio.com slash podcasts. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God, this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, starting May 8th, wherever you get your podcasts.